former Vice President Joe Biden. He got into a heated and profanity-laced argument with a worker at a Fiat Chrysler auto plant in Detroit. The man who approached Joe Biden was wearing a hard hat. He worked at the plant. He accused the Democrat presidential candidate of trying to take away his Second Amendment rights. You're full of shit. I support the Second Amendment, Biden shot back, stressing he's not going to take guns away from anyone. Biden then went on to call the guy a horse's ass. News cameras were everywhere. Did you hear about it? It occurred on Tuesday, March 10th of this year. And yet Donald Trump is the man the Democrats accuse of having a temper and a potty mouth. Next, there was the moment in New Hampshire when a young woman named Madison Moore A 21-year-old economics student asked Biden whether voters could be confident in his campaign after the poor performance he had in the Iowa caucuses, and they really were poor. Biden turned around and asked her if she had ever even attended a caucus. And when Moore said yes, Biden responded like this. This is an exact quote. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Lying dog-faced pony soldier. Now, did you ever hear about that exchange? He really did say it. It was Sunday, February 9th. His campaign said he was taking a quote from a John Wayne movie. Problem is, there is no such line in any John Wayne film. Then there was this gem, which again was likely hidden from the headlines of your local or national news. Joe Biden lashed out in an Iowa town hall after a guy. The guy suggested that the former vice president had helped his son get a sweetheart deal in Ukraine and was selling access, just like Donald Trump does. This fiery exchange with the man, and by the way, the man only identified himself as an 84-year-old non-Republican Iowa farmer. This exchange began with Biden spouting, You're a damn liar, man. That's not true. No one has ever said that. And then Biden walked up to this guy menacingly, right in his face, and said, get your words straight, Jack. This crazy exchange ended with Biden challenging the man to a contest. Let's do push-ups together right here, man. Let's run. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take an IQ test. Did you miss that one, too? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. I'm Brian Sussman. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Again, I'm Brian Sussman. More on me at briansussman.com. Well, that last example of bullying... It really was bullying from Joe Biden came about on December 5th of this past year. It's amazing how many people I've heard claim they're voting for Joe Biden because of his character. According to these folks, he's a saint compared to Donald Trump. And I'm looking at those quotes and I'm thinking to myself, really? Beyond that, what is their proof that Joe Biden has a superior character to Donald Trump? Well, at some point, they're quick to claim that Donald Trump has committed bankruptcy four times. Actually, companies owned by Donald Trump's organization have claimed bankruptcy six times. 
There were three Atlantic City casinos owned by Trump that went into Chapter 11 bankruptcies during the recession of the early 1990s. And by the way, other casinos owned by other companies that city went through the same legal procedure. Also, during that time, Donald Trump placed a Manhattan hotel and two casino holding companies into Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Chapter 11 bankruptcy allows companies to restructure or basically wipe away much of their debt to other companies, creditors, shareholders, and it allows them to do so while remaining in business, but under the supervision of a bankruptcy court. It's all perfectly legal. Chapter 11, you've probably heard this phrase before, is known as a reorganization because it allows the business to emerge from the process more efficiently and on good terms with its creditors. So from a business standpoint, Chapter 11 is oftentimes a very wise move to make. But one point of clarification for all those who are never Trumpers, Donald Trump has never filed for personal bankruptcy, only corporate bankruptcy related to some of his business interests. Then there's the character assault involving his divorces and affairs, Yes, he's been divorced and remarried several times, and he's always been open about that. As for the affairs, he's been open about some, and he denies others. And then, of course, there's the infamous case involving Stephanie Clifford, who's better known as Stormy Daniels. Stormy stars in and directs pornographic films. She was the person who tried to sue Donald Trump to nullify what her complaint called hush money, a hush agreement to be more specific, which she said she signed on October 28th, 2016, regarding an affair that she said that she had with Donald Trump a decade earlier. Her legal counsel was celebrity attorney Michael Avenatti. Stormy was paid $130,000 via Trump attorney Michael Cohen to supposedly remain quiet through the 2016 campaign. But her suit contended she wasn't bound by the agreement because Trump never signed it and because Cohen had spoken and lied about it publicly. This whole thing only gets more convoluted. Now, as you recall, Cohen was sentenced to three years in prison in 2018 after he pleaded guilty to multiple crimes, including lying to Congress and campaign finance violations, but nothing specifically tied to Stormy Daniels. Meantime, Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' attorney, was convicted earlier this year of attempting to extort over $20 million from Nike. He's also been charged in two separate indictments with embezzling $300,000 from Daniels and with tax fraud and stealing several million dollars from other clients. Real class act. So that said, any Trump critic who speaks of character and brings up this made-for-the-tabloids circus, is being foolish. No one can definitively prove anything other than Trump was never legally proven guilty of anything. Oh, and then there's Donald Trump's penchant for, get ready for this, it's out there, anal sex. Oh, yes, his detractors will claim that he said it on a show with Howard Stern. Actually, in that 2004 episode with Howard Stern, he said he is not into that kind of sex. Not into that. Donald Trump has been on Howard Stern's show countless times. Why? Because he's a very famous person 
and an outspoken personality. And in every episode that Howard Stern has ever put forward, the guest always ends up or is forced to end up talking about sex. This one that Trump's detractors don't want you to know about. In a 1997 appearance, Stern and Trump talked about the possibility of requiring women to get HIV tests before Donald Trump would have sex with them. In fact, Trump actually said in this interview that beginning in the 1980s, he made his potential sexual partners get screened for STDs with his own personal doctor. Okay, enough of this. Talking crudely about sex is what happens on Howard Stern's show. By the way, Howard Stern's show is the most listened to talk radio show in talk radio history. Even though now he's on Sirius XM, it's not really a radio station, but you get my point. He is the self-proclaimed king of all media. Meantime, the queen of daytime talk TV through the 80s, 90s, into the first decade of this new millennium, Oprah Winfrey, also had Donald Trump on her show many, many times because he was a great personality and people liked him. Now, getting back to Joe Biden. Over the years, he's been seen over and over again inappropriately touching, hugging, kissing, and groping women in public. Just go on to uh, Google, for example, and search for images. They are there, unless Google's deleted them. If so, use the search engine that I always use. It's called startpage.com. You may have a better shot. And then there are the Secret Service agents who are alleged to have seen Joe Skinny Dip in the vice presidential quarters. I actually interviewed one such Secret Service agent who verified the story. No big deal, except that it was female members of the Secret Service who complained about having to watch this. Of course, there are nudism buffs who note that Biden was not the first of his kind to, to uh, swim in the buff. Well, okay, they mentioned John Quincy Adams. He began his days with a nude swim in the Potomac. There were no swimsuits back then. And in the 60s, John F. Kennedy was rumored over and over and over again to skinny dip in the White House swimming pool with <clears throat> mistresses. But enough on these examples of poor character. We can go back and forth on this trash forever. As Jesus reminds us, all those without sin cast the first stone. Amen. As long as we're talking about Jesus, let's talk about stuff that God really does deem important, like life and the right to live it. I'm going to give you two quick Bible verses and we'll move on. This is from the book of Isaiah, Old Testament, verse chapter 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, the maker of all things. That's one. Let's go to another one, also from what is commonly referred to as the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, those are just two of many verses that cause religious folk to become pro-life and protect life in the womb. Joe Biden right now is painting himself as a devout man of the faith, an authentically devout Catholic. 
Therefore, his campaign is desperately trying to lure evangelicals to vote for him. In fact, Biden has even hired a former Republican, a guy named Josh Dixon, to oversee his campaign's national faith engagement. This hiring of Dixon, who reportedly became a Democrat because of his evangelical faith and worked on President Barack Obama's 2012 campaign, is clearly an attempt by the Biden campaign to win over faith-based voters. Meantime, I don't know where Donald Trump really is spiritually. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I've heard a lot of rumors from some very, very fine people who would make me believe that he is open to or maybe has even made a proclamation of faith. But I will tell you this. Donald Trump continues to paint himself as a champion for Christians, and rightly so, as he has fulfilled promises related to abortion, religious liberty, and judicial nominations. A 2016 exit poll showed that over 8 in 10 white evangelical voters voted for Trump, and only 16% voted for Democrat candidate Hillary Clinton. In all of Joe's four-decade career, I mean, he's been in office for a long time, senator, then vice president, there is no record, no record of standing up for Christians, nothing there of being pro-Christian, especially regarding the issue of life in the womb. In July, even Dixon himself, this guy that's the, the carrying the faith banner for Joe Biden, Dixon himself tried to sell the former vice president as the real deal because he loves thy neighbor and cares for the poor and vulnerable. Okay, if that's the case, if Biden is endorsed by the lobbying arm of the nation's largest abortion provider, Planned Parenthood, for his support of abortion rights, and he is, he's endorsed by... Planned Parenthood. One has to wonder why Biden doesn't consider children in the womb vulnerable as well. As Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council says, this is a man, Joe Biden, running on a vision not only of abortion on demand, but abortion right up until and perhaps after birth. To cap it off, for those Americans who do have a biblical or moral objection to abortion, he says, Joe Biden says, they should still have to pay for them with their tax dollars. So even if you object to abortion, the Biden policy will be, you're going to pay for this stuff for other people. How does he square authentic faith with those radical positions, asks Tony Perkins. During a Democrat presidential debate in February, Biden assured voters, he assured them that as president, he would have an abortion litmus test for Supreme Court nominees. Biden also went out of his way to point out that he's part of the reason why liberal justices like Elena Kagan, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Sonia Sotomayor are on the Supreme Court. He says that, of course, because he was in the Senate, he was able to vote on these things. And they are hardcore abortion abortionists. In July, Biden expressed disappointment in the Supreme Court's 7-2 decision in the case of the Little Sisters of the Poor versus Pennsylvania. Little Sisters of the Poor, a Catholic organization. So this decision upheld religious exemptions to a Department of Health and Human Services uh, contraceptive mandate, contraceptive mandate, 
Without the exemption, the mandate forces faith-based employers like the Little Sisters of the Poor to provide contraception coverage in health plans, even if they morally object. Okay, let me throw out one more. There's Biden's radical LGBT advocacy via the Equality Act, which would gut religious liberty and greatly impact the freedom of Christian schools and Catholic hospitals and faith-based nonprofits to uphold policies consistent with their beliefs on sexuality and marriage. Biden says, by the way, the Equality Act will be his number one legislative priority as president. The bill, by the way, passed the House last year, but has had no success in the Republican-controlled Senate. This bill would codify LGBT non-discrimination protections into federal law. So basically, we're talking about a piece of legislation, this Equality Act, that will hunt down and punish the same evangelicals whose vote Biden wants to claim. Does that make sense to you? The same evangelical voters who Biden wants to draw in for support, don't vote for Trump, vote for me, I'll set you free, will punish them once the Equality Act passes. By the way, um, this would also end women's sports, girls' and boys' bathrooms, Christian counseling, Privacy laws, conscious protections, medical ethics, parental rights. Oh, yes. All of that would be impacted by this Equality Act. And as for Donald Trump, let's think about this. His first move as president was to defund abortions outside of the United States. I'll talk more about that in just a bit. Right now, friends, there is a full court press by never-Trump Christian figures and Republican groups who are encouraging conservative Christians to reconsider their vote for Trump in 2020. May I just say, wake up, you fools. This full-court press is being funded by fanatical abortionists like Planned Parenthood and a host of highly-placed, deep-pocketed, secular, atheist elites who believe the planet's population needs to be called. My friends, please, I am not making this up. Before I get into this next segment, I know some of you might be thinking, how does a guy with a last name like Sussman end up believing in Jesus? That's another story for another podcast. But let me just say this to people of good conscience, as well as my Christian brothers and sisters who do not support Donald Trump. Please, please, just for a moment, put your feelings about his character and his tweets and his rough language and his hair aside. And just let me share, please, with you the policies that he has ushered into place that perfectly align with your values. Right off the top, I'm going to remind you this. I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016. I live in California, where as a conservative, my vote really doesn't mean a thing. We're totally outnumbered here. I will admit that prior to Trump running for president, I was always intrigued by his larger-than-life personality and his business savvy and his regular hour-long appearances on Oprah, as well as his successful TV show, The Apprentice, But that said, I made a personal statement in 2016 by voting for Ben Carson. 
I really wasn't convinced that a Trump presidency would deliver on my values, especially the pro-life issues that my wife and I have dedicated our lives to. And again, that's another story for another podcast someday in the future. And then he won. I remember election night like it was yesterday. I was at a party hosted by syndicated talk show host Michael Savage in San Francisco. I was there with my radio producer, Sherry E, and my sidekick, Katie Green. We were elated. We couldn't believe what what happened before our very eyes. Okay, he beat Hillary. That was the most important thing. He beat Hillary. But what happened after that? He took office, and his very first act was to reinstate and expand the Mexico City policy. The Mexico City policy blocks funding, U.S. funding, for organizations internationally that perform or promote abortion. The policy was last instituted by George W. Bush. It was canceled by Obama. Thank God. But that was just the start. Now, as a follower of Jesus, if you're listening to me and you're a follower of Jesus, there is so much more for you to rejoice over regarding the Trump administration, including all the devout people who are Christian in his inner circle. Vice President Mike Pence. I mean, this is a stand-up guy. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Director of Health and Human Services Alex Adar. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development Ben Carson, the guy I voted for for president. Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. And the new press secretary, Kaylee McEnany, just to name a few. And then there are the policies put forward by this administration. I have a comprehensive list over on my website. Just go to the blog, briansussman.com, visit the blog, you'll see the list. And I have another on my Facebook page, Brian Sussman Show. Let me go through a few of these for you. It's not going to be the comprehensive list, just some. Let's go to 2017. As mentioned, January 23, 2017, Trump reinstated and expanded the Mexico City policy. February 22nd, the Department of Education, in conjunction with the Department of Justice, rescinded President Obama's guidance that required public schools to allow transgender students to use the bathrooms and showers of their choice. By the way, this would include students who decided to be transgender just for the day. On October 6th, the Department of Health and Human Services proposed two regulations to deal with the Obamacare contraceptive mandate, which had for years violated conscious and religious liberty. So these new regulations exempt organizations that have moral or religious objections to purchasing insurance that includes coverage of of contraceptives and abortion-causing drugs and devices. So it raises their premiums, even though they're not for any of that stuff. Go to 2018. January 19th, 2018, Health and Human Services issued a new proposed regulation on conscientious protections related to abortion. Specifically, this regulation proposed to implement 25 laws that protect pro-life healthcare entities against discrimination by federal agencies due to their objections in participating in abortion, sterilization, or other morally objectionable procedures. Here's one that really irritated Planned Parenthood. This was May 22nd. 
It was a proposed regulation reversing the Title X family planning regulations implemented by President Clinton. What happens in this one is the regulations would ensure that parents are able to be involved in the decision of minors to obtain services from Title X clinics, like Planned Parenthood. So, these regulations will put a big dent into Planned Parenthood's roughly $60 million in annual revenues from the Title X program. Let's go to 2019, January 18th. Health and Human Services notified California that its law requiring pregnancy resource centers to post notices about how to obtain an abortion violated the pro-life Weldon and Coates Snow Amendments. Long story made short, there are pregnancy resource centers throughout California and much of the country. These are resource centers where if you're pregnant and you want to have options other than an abortion, they will help. They're there to provide options to abortion. They'll even do free ultrasounds for you. So this was a way to make sure that these organizations would not have to post notices about how to obtain an abortion within the inside of their clinic walls. The next day, January 19th, at the request of 169 members of Congress and 49 senators, President Trump sent a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in which he promised to veto any legislation that weakens current pro-life federal policies and laws. On June 5th, after extensive audit into fetal research, this is fetal tissue research, the Trump administration announced a major change in the enforcement of research contracts. Health and Human Services would no longer conduct internal research using tissue from aborted babies, yuck, that would greatly increase the ethics rules and safeguards that govern external fetal tissue research contracts. Then in 2020, January 16th, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar hosted 34 countries for a meeting on how to promote women's health and protect the lives of the unborn. I can only imagine how disgusted the pro-aborts were over that one. And then on February 4th, during his State of the Union address, President Trump called on Congress to pass legislation that would ban late-term abortions. And to highlight the need for this legislation, he invited a special guest, Ellie Schneider, who was born at just 21 weeks in the womb. Again, I have the complete list of all this over at my website. The left, including the minority of Christians who do not support Trump, claim he's made this long list of policies to appease his base. Oh, he's just doing it to appease all the Christians, to keep them in the ring so they'll vote for him the next time around. Well, if so, he wouldn't be the first president to do such a thing. But for whatever reason, he has instituted an administration that is solidly pro-life and solidly pro-evangelical Christian. And I might just add a few more things. Did he lower taxes to appease his base? Has he tried to correct our trade deficit to appease his base? Up until COVID, or as he actually tags it, the China virus, was he doing everything possible to create jobs and reduce unemployment to near record levels to appease his base? And whatever happened to ISIS? 
and the ongoing loss of lives in weekly Middle Eastern battles with radical Muslims? Did Donald Trump take the handcuffs off our military to appease his base? And finally this. There's a large church in Southern California, Grace Community Church, whose pastor was a never-Trumper. His name is John MacArthur. His teaching has always been well-regarded in conservative, born-again Christian circles. In June, California issued a measure that banned indoor operations, including at houses of worship in many counties across the state because of the coronavirus. MacArthur publicly declared this move was an overreach. And after prayer and counsel with his leadership team, he decided to reopen his church despite the edict. It clearly was an overreach. I mean, why can people shop in a Walmart, but they can't attend an indoor worship service? The city of L.A. responded by sending the church a cease and desist letter, threatening the church with a daily fine of $1,000 or arrest if they continued to meet for indoor worship services. Somehow Trump heard about this and sent a personal attorney, Jenna Ellis, to represent the church pro bono. Guess what? On July 26th, Pastor MacArthur stepped up to the podium in his church to a standing ovation. Trump's lawyer, Ms. Ellis, put forth the defense that Pastor MacArthur and Grace Community Church are not disobeying the Constitution. It is California's governor, Gavin Newsom, and Mayor Eric Garcetti in L.A. that were defying their constitutional obligation to protect religious freedom and church assembly. Oh, and guess who's seen the light regarding Donald Trump? That would be Pastor MacArthur. I have tried to lay out my case as thoughtfully and reasonably as possible. Friends, if you are a Christian or a person of good character yourself, who has been a never-Trumper up to this point in this election, there is no choice. A vote for Donald Trump is the only way to defeat Joe Biden. You can pick a third-party candidate, but at that point in time, all you're doing is throwing away your vote. Donald Trump's policies to date have been upholding the principles that you hold dear. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. More on me at briansussman.com. And of course, my Facebook page, Brian Sussman Show. And now, as the callers to my radio program in San Francisco would always say upon concluding their call to my show, I will now hang up on myself.